to be here with you this morning. I really am. I'm not really wanting to go back there with the kids. They, it gets crazy down there. But, uh, but I'm really glad to be here with you this morning. Um, I was just thinking, I was, I was working on the... Uh, anybody like surf the net sometimes? You know, kind of just kind of look for something interesting and, and to deal with or to, to look at. And, and I was just trying to kind of see what was going on in the world. And I ran across something that, that struck me as interesting. Um, Sunday Assembly. Anybody hear of Sunday Assembly? Okay. No? No? Okay. Uh, good. Then, then I'm going to tell you something new today. Um, Sunday Assembly is, is... Now, there are many Sunday Assemblies, but this one in particular interested me. It's a hip new group of... This is, now, this is a, a, a quote with a little modification from me so they'd be short enough. Uh, Sunday Assembly is a hip new group of non-believers in Salt Lake City. They hope, hope to change the perception of atheists using amateur art contests, talks about... Quidditch or Animal Jam, pop music, storytelling, and snacks. It, it's kind of a trendy church. Minus God or Scripture. Sunday Assembly is building a new community by drawing on what its participants consider the best elements of, of uh, age-old churches. Music, group singing, coffee hour, idealistic living, and service. Sound good? Now, I wanted to give you a picture of that um, group as they met because it doesn't look that different than us. But could there be a problem with this? Please nod your head yes if you at all understand what I'm saying. Could there be a problem with this? I think there could be a problem with this, but... Think, think about this. Meeting based on what? 100% flesh, 0% spirit. How's that going to go over time? I don't know. Maybe they'll have nice meetings. I don't know. But it's not going to go well in some ways. And, uh, and, and we're going to go we're gonna look at something. It's kind of like they're imitations of what we do. Isn't it kind of neat? I always think it's so cool. You guys might think, oh, that's horrible, that's horrible. I always think it's so cool when Satan imitates God's ways. You know, they're missing something as atheists, and so they have to somehow try to imitate, but there's something they can't imitate, and we're going to talk about that today. They can't imitate the Spirit-filled life. Let me invite you to the book of uh, Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. Um, Galatians chapter 5, beginning with verse... I'm going to get back up just a tad. We're going to start with verse 13. I'm not going to preach on verse 13, but you've got you to get the context here. Uh, beginning with verse 13, Now I would love to give you the whole thing because the whole chapter really is, is important, but beginning with verse 13 of chapter 5 of Galatians. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, Serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the des desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things 
you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. We're going to stop there for a moment. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you, and uh, Lord, we we really uh, want to know what you have to say to us this morning. We don't want to really hear what a man has to say of interesting conversation or thoughts, but we really want to hear from your Spirit today. And Father, we just pray that you would speak uh, through this message, through this time, make it clear to us through your Spirit, Lord, what we need to hear. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, now freedom. Freedom. He says you're called to freedom, right? There's a nice promise there. Freedom is the source of the disciples' quandary. Now, the freedom is the source of the disciples' quandary between flesh and spirit. We like freedom. I like to think about freedom. I want to be free. Cultures all over the world, including the multiple cultures in the United States, are attempting to express or claim freedom somehow, some way. Social media has granted us the widespread freedom of expression, right? I mean, you can say anything just about. In fact, you can say anything. It'll just get pulled sometimes. You can say absolutely anything in certain forms. But the result seems to be the biting, devouring, mutual consuming uh, of, uh, of each other as described in verse 15. You remember, you, you, if you remember what I just read. The proffered freedom has increased the likelihood of hateful speech. Now, of course, we always talk about hate speech now, and, and nobody really knows what that means. I, I always think anything that's critical or mean to somebody else is probably hateful. But it, it, it's increased that... that um, uh, this freedom increases that likelihood. It, it, it increases the, uh, the likelihood of destructive images and the lack of civility. We've complained about that all over the last year, it seems like, maybe longer. Um, the door is open for what? Self-centered expression. All of a sudden, it's all about me. And this is what the world is getting from freedom. So free that they're isolating from everyone. And so even the atheists are trying to figure out a way they can come together because they sense that isolation. Paul addresses this human tendency by, by calling for a replacement strategy known as walking by the Spirit. In verse 16, he says, but I say, but I say. Paul, a lot of times, begins his, his, uh, his important statement as he's gone through his theology. Then he says, but I say. But I have, you know, remember Jesus used to say that. But I say to you, the Sermon on the Mount. But I say to you. But Paul himself used that. But I say, and this isn't an opinion. This is just the word of God. It's under the inspiration. He says, but I say. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You will not fulfill or, or um, uh, follow out, follow through on the, the desires of the flesh. Um, in, in verse 1, now you go back to verse 1 of chapter 5, which we didn't read. It says, for freedom, Christ has set us free, right? And in verse 13, for you are called to freedom, brothers. Freedom for a follower of Christ looks very different from, from uh, freedom of the world. So here in verse 16, Paul begins to draw a complete contrast 
to the false freedom that causes people to bite and devour each other. He points back to the Jewish law requiring things such as circumcision. Now, wait a minute. He talks about that freedom, and he comes against the flesh, and he talks about what was the law, and he comes against the, the legalistic requirements of the, of the Old Testament laws, particularly, particularly the ritual laws. So, so he's taking on here, in this passage, both the flesh and the law. Both things. Now see, the tendency of the Judaizers was to think that the law would help them obey what the, what the Spirit was saying. The temptation of those who were emphasizing the, the freedom of the flesh were saying, we don't need to worry about anything because we can just do what we want. And, uh, and both were creating problems for the, church in Galatia, the churches in Galatia. Um, by the way, that's multiple churches there in the whole region. Uh, his solution... His solution is to walk by the Spirit. To walk, what do you have to do? You have to take one step and put it, put, and put it in front of the other. You guys uh, remember, of course, that, that very meaningful spiritual song in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, um, right? You, you take one step in front, in front of the other. You know the song, right? Obviously you do, because you wouldn't be looking at me looking like I'm an idiot. Um, <clears throat> But, um, but anyway, but there's some truth to that, right? I mean, there is. Of course, you know, if you recall, they also turned around and went the other way. And that's where we start to run into trouble if we're doing it all on our own. Um, no one else can do it for you. No one else can make that start for you. But, but, but the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is right there as we choose to go His way to help us make it happen. Because if we just do it on our own, how many times have you turned over a new leaf and you go on your own way, right? Yo, yeah, I'm going to turn my, I'm going to change what I do, and you emphasize I'm going to change. But instead, what happens is I change for about five minutes, and it gets hard, and I go the other way. But if the Holy Spirit is there, I can continue. I can continue this path that seems so difficult. In the Scripture, walk. The idea of walk is, is used for the path of life we take. That is the, the, the source of direction that serves as a guide for our daily conduct. You know, it isn't, I mean, I like to take hikes, so I'll, I, I'll spend as much time as I can on, on, uh, on the mountains and on trails and anywhere I can go outdoors. And, um, and so, but, but this, this path, this walk is a, is a spiritual walk. It's a mental walk. It's an emotional walk. It's a moral walk. It's where we're going with our lives. The double negative, by the way, he, I like this passage. What does he say? He says, he says, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I kept looking at that, kept looking at that, kept looking at that. You will not. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify. What does that mean? Well, there's a double negative in there in the Greek, okay? You guys like Greek, right? Well, I don't. But, but anyway, in, there's a double negative there. Now, when we use double negative English, we, it's like it reverses it. But in a double negative in the Greek means it emphasizes it. And so it's really, he's really saying is, is that if you're walking by the Spirit, you absolutely, positively, definitely will not, will not fulfill or carry out the desires of the flesh. Are you battling with the flesh? Are you battling with those desires? Are you battling with fears and, and troubles and difficulties that seem to overwhelm you? It is most likely that you're struggling not with those things, but struggling with actually submitting and walking with the Spirit. 
Paul uses four different ways to emphasize the Spirit-controlled life. Verse 16, walk in the Spirit. Verse 18, be led by the Spirit. Uh, Verse 25, live by the Spirit. And again, keep in step with the Spirit. We can see that, that to walk in the Spirit means to go where the Spirit is going, to listen to His voice, to discern His will, and to follow His guidance. Verses 16 and 17 both mention the desires or the lusts of the flesh. Look look what he says here. For for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to uh, keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Whoops. I went too far. Yeah, I read both 16 and 17. And uh, uh, However, in, in, in verse 17... See, he talks about desires of the flesh or lust of the flesh, if you have a different translation. Lust, isn't that a powerful word? Whew. The lust of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, same word. Um, but he, he, he says, he's, however, in, in verse 17, that word is actually more active. In, the, in, in verse 16, it's, you know, those divide, it's kind of like a, more of a passive wording. Uh, but, but in verse 17, it's more active. These desires are what against the Holy Spirit. Because they have no outlet for their energies along the path of the Spirit. If, they, if I have desires of the flesh, I cannot go along the path of the Spirit. Those are opposite. I have desires, I have energies that want to go somewhere that God does not want me to go. They're in direct opposition. Great hostility exists between the flesh and the Spirit. I mean, the wording he uses is like a warfare. It's like they hate each other. You can't have one and operate in one and operate in the other at the same time. They don't mix. The flesh could never fulfill the law. For the flesh is weak and selfish. Only the spirit But in the Spirit can we hope to live out the moral intent of the law. And this is without a focus on the law. Now, keeping that in mind, God gave us the law. The law was not bad. The law was not evil. But the problem with it is it only helped me know how bad I am and how much I had a tendency to rebel against Him. But But in the Spirit, we can hope to live out the moral intent of the law, and that is without a focus on the law. Because following the path set before us by the Holy Spirit leads naturally to the fulfillment of the expectations of the law. That is, holy living. See, if I want to live a holy life, I can't go like, eke out holy living. Every time I try, I fail. But if I go, if I want to live out a holy life, what I do is I focus on walking in the Spirit. And in in His power, in His ability, I'm able to live a holy life. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not claiming super holiness here, all right? I haven't got all this all wired yet. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Now, the active presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church demonstrates the character of God. And it distinguishes His people from an unbelieving world. Here's where we're going to differ from our, our friends over at Sunday, Sunday Assembly, right? This is where we're going to differ. See, it's, the, it's God in our lives. 
Consider the contrast between flesh-filled works and spirit-filled fruit. Let's go to verse 19. Look at verse 19. But if you are led by the Spirit... Sorry, that's 18. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But I don't like that too much, because some of that sometimes describes me. The enemy of discipleship is the works of the flesh. I meant to have you guys get out your little, uh, uh, what do you call these, R roadmaps. I hope you have one with you. If you don't, um, uh, towards the end of my message, I'll encourage you to grab one or have someone get that to you. But in there it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, and we're talking about that today as a part of our, our, our series. But I want to just kind of be aware of that um, if, if it's there. But... but um, the enemy, we're talking about discipleship, and that's a part of what we're all about here. But the enemy of discipleship is works of the flesh. Paul intentionally shifts from works or deeds to, of the flesh to fruit of the Spirit later on. Uh, but, but works or behaviors done in the flesh drain our energy. They just drain us. The fruit produced by the Spirit energizes us. It's interesting. It seems like it ought to be, because that seems so contrary to our nature to do the things of the Spirit. But I get energized by doing the things of the Spirit. But when, boy, when I'm in the flesh, it wears me out. Many commentators group the deeds of the flesh under four categories. And, and I've kind of listed these for you so you can kind of see. But I, but I wish, I wish we had time to really kind of cover in detail what each of these means and is all about. But we're going to kind of talk, I'm going to glance by to give you a cursory uh, look at these to allow you uh, for the intended contrast here. Uh, but the, the categories he gives us are sensual sins, idolatry, personal relations, and drunkenness. Now, so if you want to divide them up, you can divide them up that way. But you'll see that that's not perfect, all right? And I don't, I'm not claiming it's perfect. I'm just claiming it's a way that we can kind of try to grasp what are these all about. Um, so the sensual sins include, what? Sexual immorality. That is, sex outside of marriage. Moral impurity and sensuality or, or looseness in sexual relationships. Their priority in the list graphically displays the self-centeredness of all sin. You see, it's, for some reason, God chose to put them at the first of this list of, of fleshly deeds. And that gives us a graphic picture of all these, these things that go on in the name of sexual freedom. You see it in our country, you see it around the world, and this is what he's saying. It, it just shows how self-centered sin is. Barclay, by the way, has said, said sensuality is a love of sin so reckless and so audacious that a, a man has ceased to care what God or man thinks of his actions. I think that's fitting. It's a fitting description. Jeremiah raised this issue regarding his generation. So this isn't anything new, by the way. Um, look at this. He, say, he says, are, are they ashamed of their loathsome... Are they, excuse me, are they ashamed of their loathsome... Con I can't read this right. 
Are they ashamed of their loathsome conduct? I should have used a different translation. It would have been so much easier than loathsome. Um, but um, how, many, how many of you use that every day kind of in your common conversation? That is loathsome to me. You know, well, I don't know. I don't, and so it's hard for me to pronounce. But are they ashamed of their loathsome conduct? So I used it 16 times. Maybe I'll get it. No. No, he says, no, they, they have no shame at all. They do not even know how to blush. Wow. So it, it, it hadn't been, it isn't anything new. Idolatry heads up the second group. Um, and this is one, uh, 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 Ethan says, are you sure about this slide? Are you sure about this slide? I said, yeah, I'm sure about it, but don't worry about it. He says, it sounds redundant. It is. Okay, get over it. Um, idolatry heads up the second group. Uh, so idolatry is like an overall category, but it includes idolatry, yes, but sorcery, because both are kind of expressions of, of the same sin. It's basically putting something above God. It's, it's taking some, some way, and, and, and of course, I, I wish we could talk about that, but you get it, idolatry. Uh, sorcery gives us the word pharmacy. Um, it, it came, that, that's the same, the, the Greek word where we, we get our word pharmacy. Much, much of the world of witchcraft and sorcery depended upon drugs to achieve their effect. You know, it's the same today. It's the same today. You know, it, 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 we're not anything different, are we? I was going to talk more about that, but I don't want to right now. The third largest group, it's, I mean, excuse me, and the largest groups, includes problems we have in mm, personal relations, right? General hostility, rivalry, jealousy, outbursts of anger. Now, this one I think is interesting, outbursts of anger. That is stirring, this is what it means, stirring the emotions until explosion occurs. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, think for a moment. Facebook, Twitter, uh, <laughs> the, the, the streets of today. I mean, is it there? Is it there? We're stirring the emotions, and then we have our outbursts of anger going on, this bang, this explosion. That's what he's talking about here. Rivalries or other things, um, uh, so that is like selfish ambition. Mm. Yeah, we're always trying... Believe, you know what, it, it's, church is not immune to this, by the way. That selfish ambition is a, is a drive, in, even in the church at times. That's because we're not walking in the Spirit. Right? Right? Um, divisions actually reflect the idea of heresies that pull people away from true fellowship. You know, there's a lot of teaching going on in the world today, and even in the church, or what is called, purported to be the church, that are heresies, they're actually heretical, although we might not want to label them that way, but pull people away from the truth and, and um, uh, cause, cause a fellowship to break, a, break off. Envy or jealousy, people who don't like hearing of good things happening to others. Those are just, that's a nice list. The final group uh, lists drunkenness and orgies. Um, we put this in the category of drunkenness. Isn't that great? Say, I, I did it again. Uh, Ethan just didn't catch me on this one. Uh, but drunkenness, orgies. And, um, and uh, orgies are actually like literally reveling or carousings. Okay? It's an old word. I told my wife about this. It's an old word that de described drinking parties. 
And this was like having, you know, gathering to, you know, basically, particularly for just the sake of hanging out or celebrating almost anything. And so that was, that was what, that's that word. It's a carousing. It's just kind of a big party. Let's have, let's have a party. Hey, yeah, party, right? Whatever that means, okay. I've just seen it spelled out in comic strips or something. But um, know nothing about them. This is not, by the way, intended to be an exhaustive list. Uh, there's, there's much, in other words, he, he says, and things such as these, things such as these, right? I mean, he just kind of leaves the door open. If, you, if there is a weird way to exhibit the flesh, mankind will find it, right? It, it's there. Um, and I, I'm, I, I'm still shocked by new things I discover when I talk to people. You what? You did what? You are doing what? Well, anyway, um, the good news is expressed well. In the tail end of all of this, by the goodwill, the good news is expressed well by, by Calvin's comment on Paul's evangelical intention in, intention in verse 21. I kind of like this. Paul does not threaten, this is what Calvin said, Paul does not threaten that there shall be excluded from the kingdom of God all who have sinned, but all who remain impenitent. Big word. Pardon is always ready with God. Which leads us to the good stuff. Look at verse 22. Verse 22. But the fruit, but the fruit, but, see, <laughs> this is where we want to go, right? This is where we want to go. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness self-control against such things there is no law <laughs> he attacks that he goes back to that law issue against such things there's nothing wrong here you're not going to violate the law and those who belong to christ jesus have what crucified the flesh with its passions and desires if we live by the spirit let us also keep in step with the spirit let us not become conceited provoking one another envying one another the best friend of discipleship, the best friend of discipleship is walking with the Spirit. Now, in this passage, the fruit is singular. Remember? While works or deeds of the flesh are plural, fruit of the Spirit is singular. It's important. We don't pick and choose from this list what we want to do or to be a part of our lives, right? We don't pick or choose. We don't say, well, I want to love, but I don't want to be at peace or whatever. I don't know. Um, we, we, have, we can't pick or choose those things. You know, I, I know I used to do, how many of you have been to one of those Bible studies where you sit around and you talk about what does this mean to you and all of that kind of stuff and, and you're reading there and you say, which of these do you need today? Right? Mark the one that you want now. You know, you, do, I, you mark it down and say, yeah, I, want, I need a little bit more patience. <laughs> I mean, how many times? That's the safe one, by the way. Everybody can say, what do you need? I need patience, you know. And everybody says, yeah, me too, you know. And it's like, okay, that's good, that's safe, you know. But, but, uh, but uh, self-control, no, 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 I'm not going to talk about that. But patience I can talk about, right? So we have those ways of figuring out. But you don't have that choice. Fruit, all, one, everything is a part of what the Spirit does in your life. Um, 
they, they're not, there's not a list of what we need at this time or want at this time. They are, they're all a part of that one fruit produced by God's Spirit as we walk with Him. Love. Just kind of walk through these for a moment. Love is dependent upon only, uh, what only God can do. Love is agape, right? That's only something God can do. I can't do that. I can't muster up that kind of love. C.S. Lewis put it well. And this gives us an understanding of love. What God is, what God's love is about. And I like what C.S. Lewis said. God, by the way, it's a long quote. Just, just bear with me. But God, who needs nothing, loves into existence holy, superfluous creatures in order that he may love and perfect them. He creates the universe, already foreseen, or should we say seeing. There, there are no tenses in God. The buzzing cloud of flies about the cross. The flayed back pressed against the uneven stake. The nails driven through the missile nerves. The, the repeated incipient suffocation as the body droops. The repeated torture of back and arms as it, it is time after time for, for breath's sake hitched up. This is the diagram of love himself, the inventor of all loves. Joy and grace are closely related, by the way. We experience joy when we have fully known grace. That's where joy comes. And um, now, in that, hope is significant for joy. It's not mentioned in this passage, but it's, it's certainly mentioned many times in the context. Hope is also significant for joy. That is, hope is the element of Christian joy that differentiates it from secular happiness. I always wonder, is it happiness or is it joy? Who cares? It's, it's a difference, the secular happiness and joy that comes in God. And that comes from our hope. We find peace with God through the Spirit's breaking down the chaos of our past world of the flesh. <laughs> Any of you live, I, I mean, those of you who came to Christ at a, at a later age, you know what I'm talking about, right? Life in the flesh was chaotic. The world was chaotic. Now, sometimes we get back into that chaos, but, but, but really, peace is God's breaking through into that and bringing His presence, His um, righteousness in there, His perspective. Uh, having, having a right relationship God, with God leads a to a right relationship with our fellow human beings. Easy for me to say. Um, but getting that right relationship, that brings us to peace with, with people around us. Patience is, is more than simple endurance. He talks about patience, uh, though, though that is included. Endurance is included. It is the disposition of not being easily offended. If God has been patient with us, how many of you could say, yeah, God's patient with me. He's been patient with me. Come on, be honest. Raise your hands. You can move them, okay? I just want to see if the blood's moving. You know, I'm afraid that you go to sleep back there if you're not doing something. And um, if God has been patient with us, you just said he has been, how could we be impatient with anyone else? How could we be impatient with anyone? We have an example in 
the example's good, but it's the Spirit in us that gives us the power to do that. Because, believe me, so if you don't, well, I'm not, I started to go somewhere that I'm not going to go because I'm not supposed to right now. Kindness and goodness are similar, but they're not the same. They, but they lead to the generosity and the going of the extra mile. Um, so much can be said about that. Faithfulness is trustworthiness or fidelity toward the truth and reliability toward others. So there's two aspects of faithfulness. You understand that, right? I, I stick to the truth. I'm faithful to the truth of the Word of God, what is absolutely true. But I'm also I'm faithful toward others in that I'm reliable. I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. I'm going to be there for them. I'm going to do what I've, ha- I've, I've planned to do. You know, at all, at, if, if at all possible, of course. So we, we, we keep the truth and we live it out. We keep the truth, hold it deep, hold it within, and we live it out in our, in our relationship. The counterpart with anger, by the way, the earlier anger, is gentleness. Now, we don't like the word gentleness, especially us guys, but, but gentleness is simply humble submission to God. In, in our relationships, it is strength under control. Picture the, the bit in the horse's mouth, getting, giving it direction. You can steer the powerful horse by just a bit. That is the word. That's how they use it. That's the word gentleness. It's, 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 uh, it is strength, but it's under control. Self-control, by the way, naturally follows. This is a mastery over the desire of, desires of self. Now, those who belong to Christ, how do they get here? This passage, I want you to look at that just one more time down there, verse uh, 24. And those, this is all a part of the same thought process, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have what? Crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. They have crucified the flesh with its passions, passions and desires. That is, they've already crucified the flesh. This is a complete extermination of the force within us that makes evil possible. This is our act. It didn't say that somebody else has crucified my flesh. I did it. I crucified my flesh. Now, whoa, really? Okay, in a moment in time and in a continuing posture, okay, in a moment in time and in a continuing posture, the crucifixion of the flesh is achieved through what? Through the spiritual disciplines leading to the filling of the Spirit. The, thing, the way I get the filling of the Spirit is to be in the process always of crucifying the flesh. See, we always like, oh, I pray it every, almost every day. I say, Lord, fill me with your Spirit. And then I remember that that means I crucify my flesh. I get rid of my own will and I put it into His hands. You might be troubled either the fruit or the works in your life. You know, you might be troubled by trying to obtain those fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, or you might be bothered by the works of the flesh that seem to show up, seem to show up in your life. And certainly, certainly, we all lack the perfect expression of the fruit of the Spirit. All of us do. I don't know of a perfect person. I've not met one yet. And I'm the only one who claims to be. Okay? And I'm lying, okay? But I still claim it anyway because that's my, well. So what gives? What gives? What do we do with that? We've just heard that if I've crucified the flesh, I'm walking in the Spirit, I don't have to worry about the flesh anymore, right? So why? What is my problem? Well, you musicians understand this, right? 
because a musician does understand this. If, uh, if you've ever replaced the strings on a guitar, you know what happens. Uh, you likely notice the, the tough time the new strings have at staying in pitch. Tuning it, tuning it, tuning it. Maybe multiple times in a, in a set, even. And then new, new strings need to be played often until they can acclimate closer to the correct pitch. Right? That's my best understanding. Okay? I'm not a musician. I'm just going by what I read and watch. Um, but after a couple of months playing, only minor tweaks are needed each day to get, get the strings in tune. So I was always frustrated that every time you know, we'd tune the strings, and then the very next day, tune the strings again. What's the point of that? I tuned them yesterday, you know, or last week, or whatever. Um, but in a similar way, in a similar way, before we put our faith in Christ, we were a hopelessly out-of-tune instrument, incapable of being in sync with God. Yeah. Just like that. As soon as we receive the gift of grace, we are filled with the Holy Spirit who, like the perfect tuning fork, reveals areas of our lives that need to change and empowers us to be more in tune with God. Over time, as we experience more of God and become increasingly more like Jesus, we, we may need smaller adjustments. However, we will always need to be constantly aligning ourselves with the Spirit's perfect pitch. Therefore, therefore, let me encourage you. This is not a, just a silly piece of paper we're giving out so that you can stick it in your Bibles and forget about it. We're giving you this because it helps you think through these kinds of things. In the case of the fruit of the Spirit, am I living out the character of God? It's a road map. That's what we call it, a road map. But it's a road map to help you along your, your spiritual journey, your walk with God, and and it helps you. It, keeps, it, it helps you see, am I, am I growing in my demonstration of the character of God? And, and, and as the roadmap makes clear, our relationships with people in our lives reflect the reality of our walk with God. They reflect whether we really are walking in the Spirit. So it's not, it's not a, like a test you take, and when you get this done, you really you got it. You know, okay, good. I, you know, my, my really, family, good. Work good, school good, other relations, oh, even extended family, even the guy at the gas station, they're all good. And you can say, good, I pass that and I move on. Now, this is just something for us to kind of like regularly kind of look at. How's it going? How's it going? And it, it, you're never going to be perfect on that, but I hope that you are growing in that. I hope it drives you. I hope by looking at this, it drives you more toward the crucifying of your flesh and depending on the filling of the Spirit, walking with Him by His guidance through life. And this is hopefully a tool for you. So uh, if you don't have one of these, um, they're, they're, they're back there on that back table, I think, correct? Yes, they're back there. Mike is holding them up beautifully. And, um, and so they're back there. If you, if you don't have one, pick one up on your way out. Be sure you grab one. 
it will be valuable to you. There's more in there than that, but I'm gonna, I just was going to feature that one part. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we, we bow before you, and we know that, um, that without you, we are indeed uh, nothing. We're unable to do anything of, of value or worth in, in eternal terms. And Father, we just pray that you would help us to crucify our flesh and walk with you uh, and walk with your spirit, for you are spirit and you are truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.